Hey guys, I'm Caroline. And I'm Natalie. And we're Easily Distracted, a weekly podcast where no topic is too off-topic. In this episode, I'll be giving you the rundown on what you might have missed this week, and Natalie will be letting us know what Jurassic Park would look like if it was scientifically accurate. Let's dive in. So my sis, what have you been up to this week? This week, I actually kind of have some things to talk about. Oh my goodness. What a change. So on Friday, I saw The Little Mermaid in theaters. Ooh, very exciting. The new Little Mermaid. I've been dying to see it. Yeah, it was really good. And I definitely highly suggest going to see it in theaters because I feel like the visuals of it were really, really good and like great to see on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And Hallie's voice was like, amazing really like, i mean yeah she, shivers she does have an incredible voice mm-hmm. what like what was she in before this because i feel like I people know. really know her and i like i i, I don't she, recognize I mean, her from anything her and her sister chloe i'm pretty sure her sister's name is they were just like a musical duo oh really mm -hmm. so that's what i know them from i mean she's probably been in some other things but i just can't think of what they are she was a writer for the wrinkle in time I know her and her sister are a musical duo. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, her voice was like incredible. It totally blew me away. She nailed it. And uh, Melissa McCarthy was also absolutely amazing as Ursula. Oh, good. So, yeah, it was really, really good. It They did a really good job of like staying pretty true to the original. Although I haven't mm -hmm. seen the original Little Mermaid in a long time. So I might be making false claims here. You might just be making that up just based <laughs> off of your memory from 15 years ago. But yeah, according to my memories, it like stayed pretty true to it that it felt like a really good adaptation. Mm -hmm. Which I will say, I don't know how accurate your memories are because we've time and time again, I've proven your memory wrong. Oops. But I believe you that this is accurate to the original one. I'm, I need to see it. That I have like a list of ones. That I need to see. Yeah, I have like such a long list and I've missed so many. So I really wanted to see the Dungeons and Dragons movie in theaters. Missed mm -hmm. it. I wanted to see um, Mario, the Mario Kart. Is it Mario Kart or was it Super Mario Bros movie? I wanted to see the Mario movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. I think it. it's literally called the Mario movie. I think it's Super Mario. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see that in theaters and I missed it. I feel like there was one more that I really wanted to see in theaters and I missed. And then I saw this one and I really want to see the new Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. uh, the new, is it Into the Spider-Verse or something like that? No, Into the Spider-Verse was the last one. This is Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. I really want to see that one. I do too. So, yeah. So I, I especially really want to see the new Spider-Man because the first movie was just so good and I just love how creative mm -hmm. these studios are getting with the animation. Like I saw an interesting TikTok that was talking about how animation kind of has gone through an evolution where like originally animation was very artistic and there were certain artists who like really developed their personal style and you can tell like which mm -hmm. artists animated which or who was like the primary artist on different movies because it was very much their art, like actual artistic style. Everything looked like yeah. painting and stuff. And then when digital animation came to be, there was kind of like there's a race towards who could get the most realistic digital animation. And that's where it kind of peaked at like the almost too realistic, like Polar Express kind of era 
where it was like it was a little too real and do you remember that other christmas i think it was a christmas carol that it was an animated christmas carol that was like a little too realistic oh i remember that one yeah Uh, it was it was with jim carrey he was um scrooge and it was like a little uncanny valley yeah yeah i remember that one and i think the perfect example of this is the Puss in Boots franchise because the old Puss in Boots like one and two were super super realistic looking and then now this most recent one because it's come out however many years after the last ones I think it's been like 10 years or something Mm -hmm. is really artistic and really like it almost looks like watercolory in the background and Mm -hmm. it's just like such a fun cool animation style bringing back the art of animation instead of just everyone being super realistic because it's animation mm-hmm. you should have fun with it it should just be artistic styles and stuff and like going back to what we were originally talking about spider-man into the spider-verse really did that we just watched yeah. it um because kian had never seen it so we just watched it again last week and so good i mean it is mm-hmm. just like the animation just makes it so much more of a fun watch too it feels like a comic book like mm-hmm. it's just really cool and that was like one of the first movies that I watched that was like after this hyper realistic mm-hmm. kind of animation style where I was like, wow, this is so cool and really cool, like artistic style. And when we saw uh, Little Mermaid, there was actually a preview for a movie that I was like, whoa, this art style looks really cool. I can't remember it. Let me look it up. Okay. So the movie that's coming out that like we saw the preview for that I was like, this animation style is very unique is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I didn't even know that was coming out. Me either until I saw the preview and it's by Seth Rogen, which is very interesting. And look up the art style. It's like very interesting. I hope that before it actually comes out, they kind of hone it in a little better because it looked really cool, but at the same time was almost a little hard to watch. It was like almost too artistic. Oh, they almost look like it's almost like claim. It's not claymation, but it almost looks like that, you know? It's like kind of looks like a mixture between that and like sketches. Oh, yeah. It actually, what was like that art that it was like the crayons that we would use in art that were softer? Oh, like oil pastels. Yes, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah, it looks very interesting. And that was one that like really caught my eye that I was like, that's kind of like a cool animation style. And I'm interested to see how it translates into a full length movie. Like I'm not super interested in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, but I might watch it just to see that animation style. Yeah, why not? So what else I did this weekend? I got a facial. Oh yeah, update. How was it? It was really good. I really liked it. It was like very relaxing and yeah, it was nice. Did you feel like you were getting choked by the steam or was that just my novice person who did mine? A little bit when, so she like did my neck massage and had the steam going while she was massaging my neck. And so when she turned my head away from the steam, I was fine. And like when my head was straight forward, I was fine. But when she turned my face into the steam, it was a little... A little too much, but I was still fine. Yeah, that's what was happening to me because she had it right in front of my face. So I was basically Mm -hmm. getting waterboarded by the steam. It was probably just a little too close. Like, I think mine was a good... Because when she turned me towards it, she moved it away a little. I could, like, Mm -hmm. hear her move it. Yeah. And, oh, I got the mask part, like the jelly mask. She called it the alien goo. (laughs) Um, I got it over my eyes and mouth, which I thought would, like, 
freak me out because you've seen that in like facial yeah. TikToks before, right? And I thought that would really scare me and freak me out, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it, get the, like the full facial experience, mm-hmm. and it actually wasn't weird. It didn't like weird me out at all. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's like almost like putting a towel over your face, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it just is like something covering your face besides your yeah. like nostrils. And it was kind of interesting too because I didn't realize how much light came through my eyelids, which is kind of weird, until she like peeled the mask off. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, I could still see light through my eyelids and my eyes were closed. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even notice that, like, that was a thing until she peeled them out. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I was really trying to, like, be in the moment. And so I used to be really into, like, meditation a little bit ago. And I was really trying to do, like, some meditation practices while I was getting yeah. my facial to, like, be in the moment. Because I've gotten a lot of massages before. And I feel like during massages, I'm always thinking about other things and it takes me out of the moment and makes it go by too fast like Mm -hmm. i'll be like okay later i have to go grocery shopping and i need to get these things and i can't forget to do this and or you you just fall asleep so then it's like okay well that was a waste because i just fell asleep (laughs) for 45 minutes i've only ever fallen asleep during a pedicure during a pedicure you've fallen asleep yes one time it was when i was on break from college i think mom scheduled me a pedicure or something and for some reason, it was at like 9.30 or 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And so it was like right first thing, the first pedicure of the day when the salon opened. And I freaking fell asleep. Classic. <laughs> yeah. But I've never fallen asleep during a massage. And I didn't fall asleep during the facial. Yeah, I feel like falling asleep during a facial would be kind of harder. Because like, yeah. it's your face, it's, you know? You're like doing more. Yeah. Yeah. Like your back, I can understand that. Because mm-hmm. like you can ask somebody for like back scratches to fall asleep to or like a back massage, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who would ever do that? Yeah. Somebody so greedy would do that to ask their significant other for that. And I definitely would never do that every single night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So the last thing I had on my list of stuff I did this weekend, I'm talking about my watching old like 90s shows again and I started rewatching Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the Melissa Joan Hart one, not the mm-hmm. modern, more modern one. Did you finish Hey Arnold or you're just skipping around? No, I just started skipping around because I did start H2O too. Mm-hmm. And so I was watching that and then I kind of like fell into Hey Arnold and now I'm doing Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which I think I'm going to stick with Sabrina the Teenage Witch for a little bit. But I might go back to H2O after that. I don't know. I'm kind of going out of order. Do you remember there was a Sabrina the Teenage Witch cartoon? I'm pretty sure too. Yes. So that's how cart- I started watching So it. that's what I was wondering yeah. if you were saying is that if that's what you were watching. I, rem- re- I It must have been a TikTok or something triggered me to remember that show because I found it. I think it's on Tubi or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I started rewatching that and I watched like the first five episodes or something while I was cleaning or something like that. And then I don't know why, but two nights ago, I think Saturday night, I started rewatching like the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And let me tell you, she is like major fashion inspiration. I've like started taking pictures of outfits while I'm watching it because I want to recreate them because her outfits are so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's peak like. 90s fashion and also that's like so in fashion look at how i just so i just looked up sabrina the teenage witch on a oh this is the tv movie what the hell that's not what i wanted Mm -hmm. 
but I just looked it up on IMDb and look how bad this editing is of can you see it (laughs) oh my gosh her head looks like it was just photoshopped onto someone else's body that's exactly what they did that's 100% (laughs) what they did that doesn't even look like her that's That's weird I wonder if they had because that was showing a tv movie in 1996 but the series came out in 1996 so I'm wondering if they did a tv movie first and they were like wait we should turn this into a series oh okay somebody says I do think the tv series based on this tv flick is better Okay, so it was. It was a wait. I didn't know yeah. that it was originally. I didn't uh, know that either. Yeah, because the Aunt Hilda and Zelda are different in this one too. Whoa! But I'll have still, to try to find that. Yeah, it's still Melissa Joan Hart and Ryan Reynolds is in this. What? What, what did I? What did I just discover? I need to watch that because I did think that when I was like watching the first few episodes of the show that I was like. This just kind of dives into the show. Like, it didn't feel like the beginning of a series because they didn't really explain anything. There wasn't really too much setup. It was just like, here's the show. Yeah, this is definitely like it's there was definitely the show that is from this. Whoa, that's weird. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway. So what were you up to this weekend? Um, I went to the beach and the beach was really nice and we played some pickleball and I actually just got back from playing pickleball because I'm a pickleball player now um she's sporty girl you just really love pickles so much that you I just love pickles um I like playing it but I'm not very good at it so we're just practicing and it was just Kian and I playing it and I was basically running around the whole time because he was just way better at it than me and so he just kept like he you have to like how you play it is like when you go back and forth between serving and each person gets like two serves and mm. it was just constantly on his serve because I oh, just kept no. missing the balls <laughs> so I was just running back and forth getting the balls and he was just like <laughs> like literally hearing him you usually only go up to 11 he went mm-hmm. up to 21 because I was doing so badly and I was like let's oh just keep gosh. playing <laughs> And pickleball, you're not really supposed to have to run around a lot, right? Like, if you're good at it, you're – it's kind of like ping pong. Yeah, right? but, I mean, you still, like, run – like, you still, like, should be, like, moving and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's – I mean, you – it's still – it's known as, like, the older person sport, I think, because, like, you don't have to move as much as, I would say, tennis. Like, tennis yeah, is a bigger say, court. Yeah. I think it's, like, a, a more low-key version of tennis, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to become pickleballers now. Found Whoa, some courts. Pickleballers. Pickleballers. Yeah. That's so we found cool. <laughs> found some courts and going to be playing it all the time. And I'm going to become a pickleballer. Whoa, cool. And aside from that, I've been reading a new book. Natalie already knows about this, but I'm really excited about it. It's called The Serpent and the Wings of Night. Whoa. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um. It's really good. So I, Natalie has literally heard me say this probably (laughs) six times at this point, but I have to repeat it for everybody else. Um, It's like a fantasy book and I never read fantasy books. So I was really excited to read it, but also nervous because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this kind of book just because it's so different than the normal types of genres that I read. Like either I'm a rom-com girly or a thriller girly. Like Mm -hmm. those are the books that I read. I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. 
So very different, but I'm really liking it so far. I'm about, I think, like 35% of the way through. And it's a long oh, wow. book, too. I think it's like five or 600 pages or something crazy. I didn't realize you were that far into it. That's cool. Yeah, I read a lot this weekend at the beach. I just mm. like – because, I mean, we a lot of it we were just hanging out and just reading on the beach. I just read a lot. Cool. I also – I forgot to say, I also started reading a book this weekend. I'm not that far into it. But I started reading um, Icebreaker, which I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys have seen it. It's on – well, okay, I'm going to set up by saying that back during hockey season, I went to a Bruins game and I had an idea for a romance novel called Love is Bruin. <laughs> Are you from New England? Are you a New Englander? Yes. But – yeah, so then my idea for a romance novel was Love is Bruin, but my romance novel was going to be a gay romance novel about two hockey players who fell in love with each other on the ice during a fist fight. Yeah, sounds good to me. But then when I went to the bookstore kind of recently, I saw Icebreaker on the shelf and well, it wasn't even recently because it was like right after I went to that Bruins game. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this kind of looks like what would be my romance novel. And so I picked it up and then now I see it all over TikTok. And so yeah, it's I'm really finally, popular. Yeah, I'm finally getting around to actually reading it. I'm not very far in, though. I think I'm like three chapters in, maybe. I need to read it. Speaking of, we need to announce our next book club look. Yes. Book bl- 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 club look. Oh my God. Book club. I literally <laughs> cannot pronounce it. You're having a stroke? Book club book. Cheese minis. Okay, That's should we say it? Wait, no, no, no. I was going to say, oh, oh, we're going to announce it? I thought we, we were going to do, or should we do a post? Uh, We'll do a post. Okay. Sorry, everybody. We're going to keep you on pins and needles because I imagine everybody's so excited to see what we're going to read next. Yeah, we picked the book already, so. Yeah, so we we'll announce it. We'll post about it. We'll post it. This is going to come out Thursday. We'll post it Friday. Yeah. So, should we dive into What You Might Have Missed This Week? What You Might Have Missed This Week featuring Caroline. Okay, so let's do this. It's always a pause of where we redact our information because we never (laughs) want each other to read what we wrote. And then yep. I have to make my screen bigger. So you can read. Because you're an old lady literally playing pickleball, having to make your font bigger so you can read. Oh, my God. Don't call me out. And we were watching <laughs> Jeopardy before this. Yes, yeah, were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my no, gosh. Me and Kian are literally 80-year-old people. Like, I was telling Natalie before this. So <laughs> we played pickleball after work together. And then we got taco bell we came home we watched wheel of fortune and then jeopardy and then now i'm doing this (laughs) how are you a hundred years old (laughs) (laughs) we literally are eighty thousand years old okay so now for what you might have missed this week so basically a lot of my news is netflix news because there's a lot going on for netflix right now so even though netflix sucks this is a netflix hate account okay i was gonna say Hold, please, because oh, my account's back. So Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so has anybody else experienced this? This happened to me two weeks ago, I think. But um, they enacted the thing where they only let you have, like, one household per account. And mm-hmm. so I got booted. And, I mean, Natalie's on the same account, too, but you just haven't watched. I haven't even tried it because yeah. I'm kind of, like, protesting. 
Yeah. I'm doing well, so a very that's, lame protest. That's what we did. We just like didn't get a new account. We were like, okay, I guess we're not going to watch Netflix for a little while because we're just not, we just didn't feel like buying a new account. Mm-hmm. But I've just kept checking it every once in a while to see if it actually comes on. And it did last night. Yeah. We put it on and we were like, oh my God, it worked because we wanted to curious. watch. Okay. So now this is going to lead me right into um, what I was about to talk about. Because we put, we wanted to try it because we wanted to watch Black Mirror because mm-hmm. season six of Black Mirror just came out on June fifteenth. So yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we put, we wanted to put it on to see to watch Black Mirror, and we could. Yeah, so that's my first bit of news. Season six of Black Mirror came out on June fifteenth. There are five episodes in this season, and there are a good amount of celebrities in this one. So hmm. there's Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. And Selma Hayek, Aaron Paul, Kate Mara, some other celebrities too. But yeah, we've only watched the first episode so far, so I can't speak to how the whole season is as a whole. But the first episode, pretty good. It's not not the best Black Mirror episode ever, Mm. but it's not the worst. Okay. I thought it was pretty good. I thought they were done with Black Mirror for some reason. They just haven't come out with it since 2019. Yeah, really long break. And even that... The last thing they came out with was that Miley Cyrus episode, which I thought was, like, really stupid. A lot of people did. A lot of people didn't like that one because there were only three episodes in that season, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah. The season before that one, though, I think was pretty strong, if I'm remembering. I right. think so. I think that's the one that won all the awards. Yeah. I don't know. But so that just came out. So we'll let you know how that's going for watching Wise. But in other Netflix news, they just had Tadum, which I realized as I was writing this, it's literally like the Tadum, their yeah. intro thing. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Tadum is basically just like a live streamed event that they have for fans to show off some of its like biggest upcoming shows and movies and other random stuff mm-hmm. that they have. So it was from June 16th to June 18th. And I'll just give you a couple of the little highlights that happened this year. Yes, please do. So the first one, I actually didn't even know this until Natalie sent me, so it's not news to her, but news to everybody else, is that they released the first look of the new Avatar live action remake, which was exciting. Yeah, so that's going to be happening next year in 2024. And they gave us a look at the cast also who will be playing Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Zuka, which I think... Isn't it Zuko? Zuko. Sorry, I must have did a typo. <laughs> I actually saw a little video of the actors who play Aang and Zuko on the red carpet because originally just from the pictures, I was like, okay, I can kind of see it, but I wasn't like blown away with the casting. And then when I saw the two of them on the red carpet together, mm-hmm. just the personalities of the actors, I was like, oh, they're going to kill it. I was like, they are going to be spot on. Yeah, I think looking at the photos of them, I was like, this is, I think, going to be pretty good. And so I think a lot of people's worry was that it wasn't going to be true to what the original Avatar was because the Avatar movie that was by M. Night Night Shyamalan, yeah, that came out, I think, what, 2013 or something? Terrible. Everyone freaking hated it. It was really bad. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but everyone hated it. So You should watch it just to laugh at it. Yeah, that's true. I should. Sometimes that's nice just to watch something that's really bad, you know, just to laugh. Mm-hmm. 
But in a quote from the showrunner, Albert Kim, he said, throughout this process, our byword has been authenticity to the story, to the characters, to the cultural influences. Authenticity is what keeps us going both in the front of the camera and behind it, which is why we've assembled a team unlike any seen before, a group of talented and passionate artists who are working around the clock to bring this rich and incredibly beautiful world to life. So I just wanted to include that because I think that's really good that they're keeping in mind. Mm -hmm to make it authentic to the story and the characters and the cultural influences that the actual main story come from, you know? Because I yeah, think that's I very love that. Yeah. So that's very exciting. Very excited for that. And it only comes out next year, so that's not even that far away. Yes. I know. I feel like Netflix is, like, known for making announcements so far in advance, and then you have to wait, like, three years. Yes, which, I mean, Netflix that's how- and HBO are, like, I feel like the biggest ones of that. That's how they all are, though. I feel like all of these mm-hmm. streaming services are like, like the Harry Potter one, Disney Plus, I'm pretty sure, is doing the Harry Potter series. And they're like, oh, oh HBO is doing it. But mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, we can't wait to do this Harry Potter series in six years. I'm like, great. We're going to forget about it by then. And it's like, how are you going to cast anybody? They're supposed to be children's. They're supposed they? to be five child. years old. Right yeah, probably. <laughs> Which is also, I feel like in the original, Harry Potter was the biggest challenge to cast people when they're 12 and then keep them up until they're mm-hmm. 20 years old for yeah. the years that they're filming. So the next Netflix news is that the Squid Game cast for season two was announced, but we're still waiting for the release date and the full trailer for season two. But I watched Squid Game season one. I was really late to it. I like when everybody was first watching it. I don't know why I did a little you move and I was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch something <laughs> that everybody else is watching. But I finally watched it and it was really good. Did you ever it watch it? It was really good. Yeah. Okay, you did. Yeah. We watched it in the height of. I feel like I'm that, like my little hipsterness where I'm like, I don't want to watch something everyone else is watching doesn't come out as much with tv shows because like with tv shows and movies as soon as something's trending i'm like i'm gonna watch it (laughs) i'm gonna watch it yeah you don't want to be behind but for everything else you're like no like if it's popular i hate it but for (laughs) tvs and movie tv shows and movies i'm like i love it (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) that's you that is me okay and the last but I mean, there was so much Netflix news from it, but I just mm-hmm. picked like my top three. So we got some images from Bridgerton season three, which is very exciting. And there seemed to be focusing on the central romance of this season, which will be Penelope and Colin. So that's exciting. And yes. as I was saying all of this, I did not ever watch Bridgerton. Another one of those times where I did not want to watch it. Because it's all hyped up. But then, of course, now I'm kind of like, maybe I should watch it. Because, I mean, I love Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, you should binge it before this next season comes out. I read the first five books. I still have a couple that I need to finish. But I, like, binged all of them where I read one a day. Because I I bought you the special edition. Yeah. That was kind of a gift and a curse, though. Because I got you the special edition ones. So now you want to buy the expensive ones. For the rest of the books? Well, I was going to say that story. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can still tell it and I'll we'll delete this. Yeah, delete it, delete it. Editing guy. <laughs> but yeah, so I read the first five books and I like binged them before the series season one premiered because oh, one of my friends recommended. Yeah, one of my friends recommended it to me and she was like, oh, you have to try these books. They're so good. 
That's my friend Tori. Shout out Tori if you listen. And so I put them on my birthday wish list and then on Amazon. And then Caroline asked me for my birthday wish list and saw that like box set of books and bought them for me. And you didn't realize that they were the UK editions. Yeah. And so the, the covers are pretty and I like them because they kind of look like watercolor a little bit. And so then the box that I got was the first four books. I think there's eight books total. And then once I finished, I binged straight through those first four books. I read like one a day. And then I was like, now I need the rest of them, but I'm not going to get like a not matching set. And I went to the bookstore, couldn't find the ones that matched, like looked online. And the only ones I could find that matched online were from the UK. And that's when I realized that those were the UK color covers. <laughs> and so then I paid $30 a book to get the rest of the set. $30 a book? I didn't know it was that yes. much money. And I imported them from the UK and they took like six weeks to get in. <laughs> oh my God. I freaking ruined you for that. So sorry. That was a blessing and a cursing. A cursing yeah, and a blessing. blessing. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. But it's nice because now I have like this super unique set of Bridgerton books and they're all very beautiful. And I still have to you, read the last like three. Yeah. Because you like to display your books anyway. So I mean, mm-hmm. you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. But and then I get to be a hipster because I did read them before they it came out on Netflix. True. And so I feel like I'm one of the rare people who I like the books more than the show. But I still think the show is fun. But they change a lot. Really? I feel like most people usually like books more than the show. But not with Bridgerton. People definitely like the show way more than the original books with Bridgerton. But this book about Penelope and Colin was my favorite one. So I'm really excited about this season. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, because Penelope is just like a sassy queen and I love her. And so I'm really excited. And I really like that actress she's beautiful those pictures yeah, I was gonna say she's like stunning. the one yeah I was gonna say the one of her by the window when she's like mm-hmm. with her like head rest on her um knuckle or whatever I was like oh my god like yeah so beautiful and um okay if you don't want like season three spoilers I have no idea if they're gonna do this in the show like they had in the book but you could just skip skip a couple okay I also haven't seen it well, okay, I'll just say it very mildly. That book was the spiciest one. Oh. And like, sorry, mom and dad, but they fuck. And so I'm excited <laughs> about this season because it's like, I'm sure they're not going to stray away from the spicy side because of what happened in season one. And so I'm like, yes. Yes! <laughs> Didn't you literally... I literally remember you saying like you were reading these books and then you recommend them you recommended them to mom before even reading them and then I think you were like wait after reading these you were like there's a lot of sex scenes in this yeah and like I said like it kind of ramped up like the first book was like kind of spicy second book was like pretty spicy the third book I was like oh my god Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so yeah but I recommended that I think mom would really like them still (laughs) Oh, yeah, so. she hasn't. I guess she hasn't read them. Because they're like good, like period piece books, yeah. too, in the romance. I mean, Grandma read all of them. She she read every book by that author really quickly. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Grandma's a huge reader. She reads literally everything. Yeah. Okay. So, on to some sad news. But I mean, this is like huge right now. So, I kind of got to talk about it. But um, it's literally all that anybody's talking about is the lost submarine. Yes. It's insane. So we're, okay, statement. We're recording this Tuesday night. 
So yeah. the information that I have right now is from Tuesday night, June 20th. So if by the time this comes out, they actually might be found by that point. We really don't know. I mean, yeah. so – But yeah, so for anybody who isn't aware, this, I mean, this is like huge news, so we got to include mm-hmm. it. And it's um, like very recent yeah. as of right now. Um. So – there is a lost submarine that was on a tourist excursion to see the resting place of the Titanic. So that submarine lost communication or we like the Coast Guard lost communication with them about an hour and 45 minutes after it departed. So very, very mm-hmm. early on into their journey. And the sub was lost in an area of about 900 miles east of Cape Cod in the North Atlantic in water with a depth of 13,000 feet. So as of t- tonight, Tuesday night, when we're recording, it still hasn't been found, and they have about 40 hours left of oxygen. Eww, yeah. It's really spooky. It is so spooky. I mean, it is like I a- also didn't realize it was that close off the coast of Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like 900, because that's where the Titanic sunk. It's I guess like- the Titanic was going from, was it from Boston to England? Other way around, I think. Actually, I don't okay. know. I don't know. I never watched I the movie. I don't remember. Just kidding. Yeah. I did watch the movie. I was just making a bad joke. Actually. I actually never watched the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, so I guess that kind of makes sense. But, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so we don't know if they were lost right where the Titanic sunk. Like, we don't we don't know. They were going towards it. So it's not mm-hmm. like the Titanic is just 900 miles east of Cape Cod. We, we don't know. Uh, I mean, we do know where the Titanic is. I'm just saying we don't know where this submarine. Where the submarine got lost, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so what I think a lot of people are confused about is, like, how can you just, like, lose a submarine? Well, Mm -hmm. it's a tiny submarine in a big-ass ocean. So they lost communications. And this submarine, I think the controversy with this right now, too, is that the submarine was, like, not regulated by any, like, like not by Coast Guard, not by the U.S. Mm -hmm. government, not by, like, anything. It was just, like, an independent tourist attraction that they paid $250,000 for. So there are five people aboard the submarine, the like driver, navigator person, and then four people who paid to be on there. Actually, I'm pretty sure one of them was a researcher and he did not pay to be on there, but the other three paid $250,000 a pop to do this, which is so insane. I would never sign up in my wildest freaking dreams to be in a bolted in submarine going that deep down into the ocean but i mean some people are not on some like jerry-rigged submarine like Mm -hmm. if i was a researcher and i was doing like a like a sanctioned like submarine mission in a like Mm -hmm. approved submarine maybe but yeah i don't think i'm built for that because i just I think I would get way too paranoid and claustrophobic. I don't... That's the I'm thing. not, like, claustrophobic, but I don't like being in spaces that I can't escape from. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know many people who do, but that's the thing. Like, nobody is meant to be that deep down in the ocean. That's It's literally, like, the pressure. What the best-case scenario, if they don't end up getting found, is that the pressure just killed them instantly. Like, that there was a leak and the it just like crushed within and it just imploded and they just died instantly. Like that's the best case scenario. If obviously best case scenario is that they get found and rescued and they're all safe. But if not, 
I cannot imagine being like stuck somewhere, like say they're stuck within the wreckage of the Titanic and just being stuck there and just running out of oxygen. Fucking miserable nightmare fuel. Awful. So that is breaking news and we'll see what ends up happening. I just read actually they don't have, as of tonight, they have about 30 hours of oxygen. So we'll be finding out in a day and a half. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest nightmare fuels of that too is there's no standing room. So I'm like, my legs would be so cramped. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah. All of it is just terrible. It's awful and really scary. But okay. So now to end it with some lighter news. And I don't know if anybody else in the world is going to care about this besides me and Natalie, but I brought it up because it's nostalgic for me and Natalie. Are you nodding because you read what I had? No, I'm just laughing that you're saying that it's just nostalgic for us. (laughs) Okay. But so this is nostalgic news for Natalie and I, but the original founders of Smosh, the YouTube channel, Ian and Anthony just bought back the brand and they're going to be making videos together again. Oh my God. I know. So me and Natalie used to, which is so funny because you literally sent me a gif of Smosh today. I did. Which is <laughs> I love I that gif. Yeah. So I literally added this last minute because I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a Facebook post from Smosh because I guess I followed them on there when I first made Facebook in like 2009. And they're like, we bought Smosh. And I was like, wait, what? So I looked it up and apparently originally Smosh was sold in 2011 to some like um, digital company. I I don't remember what the name was. And then Anthony left in 2017. So Ian was just making videos. And then after that, it was sold in 2019. But so now they bought it both back and they like This literally was news today, just happened today that they posted about this. So me and Natalie used to be obsessed with Smosh. I don't know if anybody else is going to remember this, but like we loved their videos. And I was actually before this too, I was going to look up the like Ian is bored videos because we Yes, I was going to say Ian is bored. (laughs) We loved those videos. I specifically remember, I think there was one where he was playing. Yes, the punching the, video. Like, yes, what is that game called? I don't uh, Street Fighter, I think. So, and yeah. then there was one where he um, was trying to stack things to reach all the way yes. to the ceiling. Yes. Yeah. Oh I, my God. Yeah, we used to love the Smosh videos. They were so good. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember that I saw like a Smosh video come across my TikTok and I was like, I thought it was so weird because I was like, okay, where's Ian and Anthony? Because it was like, it felt very BuzzFeed. So I feel like whoever bought it was trying to turn it into a BuzzFeed. And then- yeah, so I think that's what, a, like, when I was reading through comments on people saying that, they were like, thank God you're back because it, like, really lost the sense of, like, what they were, which was just, like, a buddy comedy thing. That's really all it was and that's why it was so funny because they were just like best friends and funny enough these people also went to our mom's high school I mean obviously not at the same time because it's our wait did you not know that no yes they literally went to mom's high school in California in Sacramento that is wild (laughs) yeah isn't that hilarious wow but yeah so very exciting if anybody else cares if not suck it up because that's our news (laughs) Well, and now you know about Smosh, if you didn't before. Exactly. Look up Ian is Bored, Smosh, and watch maybe like the, it's got to be like one of the first three episodes, but I I haven't watched those videos in forever, so if they're not funny anymore, 
just ignore this, but I'm going to watch them and I'm going to think they're funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go back and rewatch them. I've been like taking Connor down the rabbit hole of like old YouTube videos that we used to watch mm-hmm. that we thought were so funny. Like um, Kid Snippets was one oh, we that we used to love. Kid Snippets, yeah. And that one that's um, the like recreating conversations with my two year old, but with my like adult friend or something like that. Oh, let me find it. I thought that was Kid Snippets. No, the kid snippets was when they asked kids to play out a scene and oh, then they recreated yeah. them. Very, With very adults. similar. Yes. And then the other one was Convos with my four-year-old. And then like he recreates it with his friend. They're really funny. Maybe we'll like try to link them somewhere. Yeah. But so that's co- kind of exciting. Now I'll have to get back into Smosh, I guess. Um, I think we might have to. All right. So should I? To my topic i can't believe that your what you might have missed this week took up 45 minutes okay i know it didn't take up 45 minutes we stopped doing our oh 25 wow <laughs> took up a lot of time uh but it was all good stuff i liked it okay all right. so now you should just speed through this but yeah let me do the intro that my sis is a paleontologist it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you say you wanted to do an intro or was that the intro? No, that was the intro. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll preface this. Okay, so my topic this week is the Jurassic Park taking looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be one of the moments that we're going to record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... I'll start by saying little fun fact about me is that I actually have a geology minor and I got my geology minor by taking purely uh, paleontology classes. And so I actually am a little bit of a paleontology nerd. That's why we sang that song for anybody who doesn't know. Look up I am a paleontologist on YouTube. That's what that is. We're just giving you guys lots of YouTube gold right now, actually. Here is your homework. Watch all of these videos on YouTube and report back to us. Yes. So I love paleontology and I love the Jurassic Park movies and the Jurassic Park original movie just turned 30 literally last week. And so I wanted to do a deep dive on what Jurassic Park would actually look like if it was accurate to the Jurassic time period. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the dinosaurs that are in the Jurassic Park movies aren't actually from the Jurassic period. Um, I think it was either in the I read the book, too. But it was either in the book or like an interview with the author or something where he basically said that just the word Jurassic was cool. So that's why he picked it. But a lot of the dinosaurs are from all different time periods. So it's probably a lot easier than like the Cretaceous or what is it called? The Cretaceous. Jurassic, Cretaceous. Yeah, like it's probably the easiest one to say, Jurassic. Yeah. So I was just going to talk about like what dinosaurs actually existed during the real Jurassic period. So, uh... First, just talking a little bit about like what the inspiration behind the Jurassic Park movie is, is that there was actually six movies, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and then Jurassic World Domination. Dominion. Oh, Dominion. (laughs) Jurassic World Dominion. And they're based off of the novels by Michael Crichton. And there's actually only just two books, Jurassic Park and The Lost World. And all of those movies were based off of that idea that he created. 
huh, I didn't know that there was only two books. I knew it was based off a book, but I just assumed it was like a full series. I think the first three, so I read the first book. I haven't read the second book. And I think the first three movies are kind of a combination of the two books. Like Mm. the first movie kind of takes some things from the first book, some things from the second book. They're all just kind of like a combination of different stories within the both books. I think the three newer ones are all new stories. So let's start off first by what is the Jurassic period? So there's the geological time scale. That's what scientists use to categorize different geological time periods. And they're categorized into eons, eras, periods, and epochs. So the age of the reptiles is considered the Mesozoic era, which is composed of the Cretaceous, Jurassic, and Triassic. So that's pretty much when dinosaurs existed. And for the sake of this podcast episode, to make it not be an eight-hour lecture, I'm, like, very simplifying things. If you want to, like, look into it more, look into it more, okay? Are you just just calling us dummies? No, I'm just saying I could talk about this for literally, like, eight hours, so I'm just simplifying things. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But this is just for fun, so we're just going to keep it that way. We're just having a good time here. Yeah, I'm trying to give you factual information, but you know what? It is what it is. So... Keep dinosaurs sexy. That's what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really sexy. <laughs> I'm not like fun. I don't know who's trying to make them not sexy. There is a big movement to make dinosaurs not sexy. And we are <laughs> anti non-sexy dinosaurs. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the reaction to that killed me. You were just like, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, oh let's keep it rolling here. <laughs> so in general, during the Mesozoic era, you get the evolution of placental animals, early flowering plants, and dinosaurs. So that's kind of where we're at. So the Jurassic period was from 201.3 million years ago to Jesus. 145 million years ago. That covers say that, the span. Say that again. Say that again. Okay. 201.3 million years ago to 145 million years ago. And this covers a 53.3 million year span. Okay. That was what or, my brain was doing and then you answered it. Or about 1.2% of geological time altogether. So this is no, this crazy. is just like insane. Like time is so crazy to me that yeah. a million years ago was a thing, and then you're trying to tell me 250 million years ago. I'm not saying you're trying to tell me as in I don't believe in this shit. Strike that from the record. <laughs> I'm saying I do believe in it. I'm just saying my little tiny peanut brain cannot conceptualize it. I know it's crazy. They always talk about the um like geological time clock which is like summarizing the history of the earth into like one hour or no it's i think one day no it's summarizing it into a year and basically like humans would only be around on december 31st at like 11 59 and 59.99999 seconds like we are around for so tiny little bit of the time clock and Fun fact about dinosaurs is they were, or like the age of reptiles, which is what dinosaurs are. I'm going to, I think I'm going to do like another topic where I talk about like the five mass extinctions, 
but there's basically like five eras and five extinctions and extinctions i think i said instinctions i don't know but each one is kind of associated with like a different group of beings and so the age of reptiles and the age of dinosaurs was the longest time period of living creatures oh interesting yeah, dinosaurs pretty much dominated the Earth, and like a lot of paleontologists theorize that mammals never would have really evolved beyond being like these small mammals that were during the dinosaur period, and like dinosaurs would have never really stopped being the dominant species if it weren't for the uh, meteor inter. What am I trying to say? The meteor, like Extinct. intercepting their dominance. Mm-hmm. So. So we're talking about the dinosaur period and specifically the Jurassic period within that. So what was going on in the ocean during that time period? So one of the major creatures that was around during that time were ammonites. And so ammonites are cephalopods. Cephalopods are mainly divided into three subcategories that include coleoids, which are like squids, octopus, cuttlefish, and then nautiloids, and nautiloids look very similar to ammonites and then ammonites are the third type of cephalopod and so ammonites uh grow in shells typically formed into a flat spiral and so they did evolve a variety of shells some could be kind of loose spiral some would be more tightly spiraled and some kind of unusual shapes started to evolve too mostly found around japan and uh, those are really rare and they look kind of like a knot is how they were described. But personally, I think they kind of look like a pile of poop. But do be looking like a pile of poop, doesn't it? Or as scientists say, a knot. So Zoe Hughes, who's the curator of fossil invertebrates for the Natural History Museum in the UK, says looking at the size change will tell you an awful lot. Quite often after an extinction event, a lot of shelled animals begin to shrink because they don't have the resources they need to grow. If there isn't a resource to build their shell, it's a bit of a struggle for them. So ammonites are really important to paleontology because you can tell a lot about the time period and the extinction events based off of the shells of cephalopods. And also ammonites are one of the most abundant fossils that we have. And so it's very easy to tell where the age of rock layers are based on where ammonites are in the fossil Mm. layers. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Another fun fact about ammonites is that when the fossils were originally found in the seventh century, they were thought to be snakes coiled up that were turned into stone. And so Victorians would often carve heads into the ammonite fossils that they found to make them look like coiled up snakes. That makes sense. I mean, like, I could see somebody thinking that without the knowledge of knowing what a fossil is, you know? Like, you could just be like, oh, this was a dead snake. Yeah. So if you look up the picture that says ammonite snake. I'm already on it. uh, Yep. That's what they would carve them to look like. And And that, like, was a mythology about a saint that was developed because snakes in Christian mythology are considered evil and so it was thought that there was this saint who had turned snakes into stone and this was like the evidence that she had turned snakes into stone so So it's kind of interesting to see how like mythology stems from a lack of scientific knowledge yeah 
Okay, so moving on to another sea creature during the time period, plesiosaurs. So plesiosaurs are very similar looking that it's thought that they were very similar looking to sea lions, but they have very long necks. And so their body total length would reach about 15 feet long. But in their later evolution, some got as long as 50 feet long and weighed about 100,000 pounds. I think I've seen these guys before. Yeah. The jaws are estimated to have a bite force of about 33,000 PSI. So that's pretty intense. You don't want to get bit by one of those. Good thing we're about 50, 100 million years late. Mm, Not quite accurate, but yeah. (laughs) One other thing about plesiosaurs is they kind of look like the Loch Ness Monster. And so the Loch Ness Monster (gasps) is like supposed to be like a... Okay, maybe that's why I've seen one of these bitches because I yeah. was like, this looks familiar to me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So our next sea creature is a lead sickthus. So although the remains of over 70 individuals have been found, most of them are just partial or fragmentary skeletons. And so the lead thictus skeleton is very imperfectly known. So... The one of the little things that we know about it is that it is very, very large. And so the large size of the lead thickness is probably due to its lifestyle as a filter feeder. Filter feeders we know now are mostly whales, which also grow very large. And so one of the theories of how they grow so large is because filter feeding requires very little effort other than just opening your mouth and cruising around the water. And so the method of feeding requires a very slow metabolism and not hugely active hunting of prey. And so the large size could be due to the slower metabolism. Oh. Is the picture Leeds and Leoble? Yes. Oh, and so that picture is actually shows the ammonite, the plesiosaur, and the uh, lead sick this all together That's what I was in thinking. the ocean. The ammonite? Ammonite? Yeah. Kind of looks like a shrimp. Ammonites kind of remind me of like if a squid or octopus crawled into a little shell. Yeah. But yeah, so that picture I actually really like because it kind of looks like what I would imagine this prehistoric ocean would look like and this is what the ocean in jurassic park would look like if they wanted to keep it true to the time period which would be freaking terrifying yeah because they're all honestly really big the biggest ammonite is like larger than like a a long a large man's wingspan what why was i thinking it was like some of them are really small but some of them grow really really large like the largest one that's ever been found there's like a picture of a guy sitting next to it and it's like literally bigger than he is tall so prehistoric ocean would be terrifying for a human the ocean already do be terrifying true so back to the lead sickness so its large size uh could also mean that it was possibly a giganto was gigantothermic like many of the large fish that we know today so because of the fragmentary nature of its recovery remains the exact size is very up to speculation and most researchers agree that the size of the lead so thickness is, I'm probably saying it wrong all over again. <laughs> That's okay. About nine to 10 meters long is like realistic, but some isolated remains are much longer. And they're thinking that the maximum length was about 16 meters long. 
Wow, that's crazy. So that translates to about 52 feet long. Jesus Christ! I was not thinking it was 52 feet long. When you said 16 (laughs) meters, I was like, yeah, about 16 feet. (laughs) No, that's about 15 feet long. So these guys were huge. All right, so let's talk about what was going on on the land. So we're going to start out with pterosaurs. So Kevin Padane, a paleontologist at the University of California, Berkeley, said pterosaurs were just the coolest things that were ever in the air. They were the first vertebrates to to fly. They did it long before the birds and the bats. And in terms of size, they pushed the envelope as far as it could go for a flying animal. Wow. So we're talking about giant flying dinosaurs now. It looks like a pterodactyl. Yeah, basically. So uncontested in the air, pterosaurs colonized all continents and evolved a vast array of shapes and sizes. Of more than the 120 named species that we know of, the smallest pterosaur measured no bigger than a sparrow, and the largest one reached a wingspan of nearly 40 feet. And that's wider than an F-16 fighter. So they went from very tiny to very large. (laughs) Again, cannot conceptualize this. Yeah, and one thing that I think is really cool about them too is that the kind of emerging picture that we have is that pterosaurs were unlike any kind of modern reptile, because they are reptiles. And from a fossil discovered in Kazakhstan, paleontologists suspect that pterosaurs had hair-like had hair-like covering that was kind of similar to fur. And if that's true, that detail provides evidence that they were warm-blooded hmm. and could sustain um, the exertion needed to stay in the air. So up until that discovery, it was thought that pterosaurs were kind of just gliders like they would climb to high like mountaintops and stuff and then glide down to Mm -hmm. do hunting but finding fur on them suggests that they were warm-blooded and were able to actually fly on their own interesting because it's also interesting to think that they're warm-blooded when whenever you think of reptiles they're cold-blooded and just Mm -hmm. like and any dinosaur that's automatically what you go to yep So then the rest of these dinosaurs I'm going to talk about kind of fall into two different categories. So they either fall into Sauroscians, which is what we're going to talk about first, which are lizard-hipped dinosaurs. And this includes sauropods and all carnivorous dinosaurs. And these were like the earliest dinosaurs that we know of. What does lizard-hipped mean? It's the hip shape. Um, Uh I'm not going to really get into it because it's like very heavy into like the angle. It's like the angle of your ball and socket joint and okay it's just like two to their movement okay it's just two different types yeah so their hip joint is very similar to modern lizards and then the other uh like group of dinosaurs are known as bird hip joints and so are bird hipped and so their hip joints are more like modern birds okay so the first one is apatosaurus which is considered to be one of the largest land animals of all time. They weighed as much as 45 tons, which a ton is 2,000 pounds, and measured up to 75 feet long, including its long neck and a very long tail too. It kind of looks four... like it kind of looks like a bronchiosaurus. So if you want an image of how freaking big this thing is, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, if you're picturing like a bronchiosaurus, what typically comes to mind, like Littlefoot. In the land before time. Oh, we can't get into that. Sorry, I cannot. I can't. (laughs) That's kind of what this guy looks like. (laughs) Now I'm gonna cry. 
Yeah, it has long neck and tail and four massive pillar-like legs, and its tail was extremely long and whip-like. So the Apatosaurus was first named in 1877, and in 1903, the same scientist who discovered the Apatosaurus also discovered uh, brontosauruses. And so paleontologists at the time decided that the Apatosaurus and the Brontosaurus were the same species, and it just went by Brontosaurus. And then in 2015, the classification question was reopened and an analysis of 81 different sauropod skeletons were analyzed and the specimens had all been labeled as brontosaurus previously, but then they discovered that there's actually a separate uh, distinct genus that's apatosaurus too. Hmm. So they used to all be categorized as brontosaurus, anything that basically had the long neck and the long tail and were like looked kind of like weird elephants um but now they're actually distinct geniuses geniuses okay so next we're moving on to the allosaurus so they were a large carnivorous dinosaur that are best known from fossils found in the western united states particularly in the cleveland lloyd quarry in utah and the garden park quarry in colorado so the allosaurus weighed about two tons and grew up to 35 feet in length And although fossils indicate that some individuals could have reached up to 12 meters in length, so that translates to about 40 meter or 40 feet in length. These also look really spooky. These ones look like if I saw this on the street running after me, (laughs) I think I would be a lot more spooked than a lot of the other ones. Yeah, these guys aren't really creepy. Because remember, this is the age of basically... Everything either looks like what you picture for brontosaurus or they look like creepy smaller versions of (laughs) T-Rexes. Half of the body length of allosauruses are the tail. And that kind of leads to them being a biped dinosaur. So they only stood on their two back legs. And originally, kind of all biped dinosaurs were pictured as standing upright with their tails dragging behind them. But then, actually, I think from the Jurassic Park movies, it was discovered that these dinosaurs probably leaned forward and used their tail as a counterbalance and were very quick and very active hunters. They were thought to be kind of slow-moving lizards that just kind of soaked up the sun and, like, had their long tails dragging behind them. And then they discovered that they actually probably used their tails as a counterbalance and leaned forward and run and hunt very actively like super speedy yes i mean that would also make sense because their tail is really thin looking so it like is more of like a i'm imagining like a water lizard that's like super fast you know yeah these aren't in the water though these are i know i'm just i'm just saying like that's what i'm picturing yeah so their forelimbs were very small compared to their hind limbs which were very like thick and muscular Um, But they weren't nearly as small as the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And their forelimbs had three fingers that ended in sharp claws that were probably used for grasping their prey. Firmly grasp it. Okay, so now the Archaeopteryx, which is one of my favorite dinosaurs. So the Archaeopteryx is a genus of feathered dinosaur that was once thought to be the oldest known fossil of a bird. Um, The fossils were originally found in the... Solhofen limestone formation in Bavaria, Germany, starting in 1861. However, in the late 20th and early 21st century, 
other bird-like fossils of a similar age range were found around China. And so this prompted a lot of paleontologists to start calling for a reclassification of an archaeopteryx as a dinosaur. Hmm. So several of fossils show clear impressions of feathers, which this was the first dinosaur that we found the feathers in the fossil. And so Wait, that's yeah, what made that's us start crazy. rethinking dinosaurs as not just lizards, how we see lizards now, but yeah. as feathered lizards basically well i always thought that was so interesting like i'm glad you're bringing up like the feather aspect of it because i've always thought that is so interesting how we always picture dinosaurs as this like skin tight like like basically it's like cellophane wrapped animals like to their bones Mm -hmm. when it's like that's not actually like if we looked like that like we would look insane but like somebody if like they just found our bones and like made it so our skin was like on our bones we'd look completely different like have you seen those things where it shows what kind of animal is this if we made if we drew it like we drew dinosaurs and it looks like shrink wrapping shrink wrapping that's what i was trying to say like cellophane i was like what is that word um but like it'll show like a cat but the cat literally looks like you would think it was like this otherworldly animal when it's literally just Mm -hmm. a cat but shrink wrapped Yeah, which shrink wrapping has been a little bit debunked because the artist who did those drawings wasn't like a paleontologist artist. It was Mm -hmm. kind of an artist. It was an artist who was doing like their rendition of what they thought shrink wrapping was. And so in real life, paleontology artists are able to determine things like muscle striations on bones and things like that. So our depictions of dinosaurs are pretty like they're not quite as bad dramatic yeah they're not as dramatic as that yeah that's true yeah but i think it does but the discovery of feathers like was a a really big that's what i was gonna say i mean that definitely brings up a whole other layer to it and in this i think you should definitely post this um fossil picture because you can very clearly see where Mm -hmm. there would be feathers Yeah, this is the actual fossil. This picture that you have pulled up is the actual fossil that was the first fossil that had feathers where we were like, whoa, maybe we need to rethink dinosaurs. And one really cool thing and really unique thing about feathers being preserved in the fossil record is feathers are the only thing preserved in the fossil record that we can determine color from. Whoa. And so from these fossils too, before this time period, or before these fossils were discovered, we really thought that dinosaurs were like gray and brown and kind of like these neutral colors. But we discovered that a lot of dinosaurs were colored actually like tropical birds. Mm -hmm. They were thought to be very bright colors, like greens and blues and reds, especially a lot of red feathers. That makes it so much more interesting to think about all of these dinosaurs being so coolly colored and not them just going around Mm -hmm. being like gray and brown yeah and covered in bright colored feathers is pretty crazy um and so specifically for the archaeopteryx they were able to determine that the feathers were black and white oh okay yeah so the next one we're going to talk about is the diplodocus so the diplodocus is a very much like a brontosaurus kind of looking dinosaur again and the, what makes them kind of unique is that their skull is unusually small and rather light. 
They have a very elongated neck like that of a horse. And on top of the neck is the head that contains an extremely small brain. And the body is also comparatively light compared to like the other similar shaped dinosaurs at the time. And the body was supported by pillar-like legs, just like the other kind of brontosaurus-y dinosaurs at the time. And they weighed just about 30 tons. Some of them weighed as much as 80 tons. Wow. It's crazy to see these pictures of its tail because its tail is almost like it's like what you picture a lizard to be, like a super, super tiny, Mm -hmm. thin tail that coils around. They're like so long. Yeah. (laughs) So they have this really, really long neck that is thought to have helped them reach high and low vegetation and to be able to drink water. And there has been some debate about how this long of a neck would have been supported. And so scientists think that ligaments run from the hip to the back of the neck, and that would allow the diplodocus to hold its neck in a horizontal position without having to really use much muscle. Okay, because that's what I was going to say. How the hell did they keep their neck up? Like, this would be so painful. My neck freaking hurts from... My two-inch-long neck. I can't imagine this (laughs) 20-meter-long neck. Yeah. And uh, how they kind of came to this conclusion, very simplified version of it, is that the vertebrae and their backbones are split down the middle, which is very unique. And so that would have given lots of room for a very large ligament to run the whole length of their body. Okay, so our last part of this lizard-hipped dinosaur category is the Torvosaurus, So this is a hypercarnivore that has often been treated as a smaller, weaker version of the Tyrannosaurus rex. And these came first. Tyrannosaurus rex didn't evolve until the Triassic. So the typical Torvosaurus, which is also called an Allosaurus, skeleton is what you would see in a museum. And it looks very small compared to the Tyrannosaurus rex. But there are some rare fragmentary skeletons that have also been found of the Torvosaurus that have grown to be about 40 feet long or so. Wow. So it could potentially have been just as large as the T-Rex. But these came first, so they're cooler. And I think the only difference is that this one looks like it did more arm workouts than a T-Rex because the picture that you have, they look freaking buff and their arms (laughs) look huge. Yeah, they do have kind of the shorter arms like a T-Rex, but... They're definitely not quite as puny. They do kind of look buff. They're kind of muscly. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Ornithischians, which are the bird-hipped dinosaurs. So the first one is one that's very well-known and very loved, and that's the Stegosaurus. (gasps) We all love the Stegosaurus! Yes! Stegosaurus are large, slow-moving plant eaters, and they would have defended themselves from predators like the Allosaurus and the Cretarosaurus with its powerful spiked up tail. Everybody loves them. They're literally the best one. So I thought this was kind of an interesting fact because this was different from what I thought. The bony plates that run along its back and that it's most well known for were actually embedded into the skin of the animal and not really attached to the actual skeleton. Really? So most of the fossils that we find, the plates are separated away from the body. Huh. So scientists originally weren't really sure what the plates were used for. And actually, like, one of the first scientists to discover stegosauruses thought that the plates were, like, horizontal. And not until it found, like, almost a completely intact skeleton did they realize that the um, plates were vertical, how we usually picture them. 
Mm-hmm. So there's like a couple different theories of what the plates were for, either to like warn off predators or to allow them to recognize other of the same species as themselves. And my favorite suggestion is that they were used to regulate body temperature because there's some fossils where there's kind of striations in the plates where you can see that there might have been veins or arteries that ran through them. Oh, that makes sense. And so it might have been a way for them to, like, help because they're lizards, so the theory is that they're cold-blooded, and maybe that gave them additional surface area to warm their blood in. Yeah. I always think of the stegosaurus because in third grade we had to do a, like, project on dinosaurs and so I picked the stegosaurus one and I kept calling it the potato chip one because I thought it had like (laughs) potato chips on its back and I thought that was like the funniest joke to me ever I was like I got the potato chip one when I was in like third grade I thought it was literally the funniest thing ever and here we are it's not funny but (laughs) that's the memory that I have of the stegosaurus well one more fun fact about them for you is that compared to the rest of the body, the stegosaurus had a really small head and its brain was only about the size of a plum. <laughs> I actually did know that, that they were known for being like super freaking dumb. I, I think the the Jurassic World movies especially want to make you think that raptors were super smart. But raptors were just smart for dinosaurs. Dinosaurs in general were incredibly stupid when you talk about it, like living creatures yeah. over the course of time. Yeah, they were dinosaurs all kind of dumb. All- very dumb which is kind of funny because they were very much like i talked about at the beginning of the episode very much a dominant species that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have really naturally died off most likely and so it's kind of funny that they were so stupid but that's also probably because it was just mainly reptiles around and Mm -hmm. reptiles in general are already pretty like hardy species like just how Mm -hmm. they are in general you know so i feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Even though they're kind of oh. stupid. And this is a random fun fact just out of the Natalie brain. So this is like one of my favorite animal fun facts is that one reason why mammals kind of max out at the size of elephants is because we produce our own heat. And so like elephants are kind of the maximum size that an animal can be without internally combusting. Huh. And because it produces their own heat. But that's why sea mammals are able to grow really large is because the oh they're regulated them regulate their temperature to be much oh. lower their internal temperature and that's why dinosaurs were able to get so large too is because they aren't warm-blooded and so they don't have that like risk of internal combustion because they were able to grow so large that makes so much sense that's crazy yeah. What a good fun fact to have. That's a good trivia like trivia question. I mean, actually, I don't know how that would ever be in a trivia <laughs> thing, but it's, that's good top of the head knowledge and now I know it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite like museum fun facts that like if I'm at a natural history museum, I'm like, did you know this did is you why know? they're able to get so big? I literally love being that person. I'm so obnoxious, but I'm always like, did you know? Because oh, I that's love- definitely me museums all the time i just love telling people fun facts like if i know about something i want other people to know about it i want them to join in on the fun that's why we did this whole thing that's why we did this that's literally why we did this i think that's in our trailer that it's like are you the friend who always has fun facts (laughs) it is because that's us it is and i always think that because i'm like chock full of fun facts that i'd be really good at trivia nights and then Mm -hmm. i go to trivia nights and it's like what happened in the fourth episode of Family Guy? And I'm like, why would I know that? 
Ask me about dinosaurs. Ask me about why the yeah. Stegosaurus's plates are on there. And you know what? I'll tell you. Ask me what a Pepper's ghost is. I can tell you what that is. <laughs> All right. So our last dinosaur that we're going to talk about is the Camptosaurus. So the Camptosaurus is a two-legged plant-eating dinosaur. And they have a beak-like front of their skull that doesn't have any teeth. And it was just used to, to nip vegetables. <laughs> I also use my teeth to nip vegetables. <laughs> Your beak? I also beaks. use my beak. <laughs> and it's thought that the Camptosaurus is an ancestor of the large herbivores that we have now, such as, or not now, <laughs> the large herbivores that came later, such as iguanodonts and uh, duckbills. I could see so, that. The duckbill, their little beak mm-hmm. thing. That makes sense. Yep. And um, one thing that was really interesting about Camptosaurus too is that at the same site where they found adult Camptosaurus, um, they found also an embryo, too, that was found without an eggshell fragment, but they were still identified as an embryo. Wow. And the bones of that embryo were more fibrous in their surface texture than those of adults. And certain certain parts of their backbone hadn't fused together yet, but in adults, they are fused. And so it's thought that the Camptosaurus would probably have had spinal cord damage when walking around if these bones had never fused together. And these features are present in dinosaur embryos that are studied all over the world. And so it just kind of gave us an insight into how dinosaurs aged is that parts of their backbone would get fused together as they would age. Very interesting. I did not know that. And just one last thing of like, other animals because we're keeping in mind that this is what would be around in our Jurassic Park if we were keeping it accurate to the Jurassic time period is that uh, modern lizards started to appear towards the end of the Jurassic period and turtles also existed during the Jurassic so there would be some animals that would look very familiar to us today. very interesting I would like to see a giant ass turtle from the Jurassic or Jurassic period yeah so to summarize you would see things that would look like the Loch Ness Monster in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You would see the ammonites that kind of looked like spiral-shelled uh, squids, kind of. Mm-hmm. You would see something that would look like a really creepy whale in the ocean. <laughs> and then on land, you would see things that looked like different sized brontosauruses, things that looked like mini T-Rexes, stegosauruses, and some modern lizards and some dinosaurs that had little beaks. Very cool. I kind of wish we were like Magic Treehouse where we could just go back in time for a little bit and see them and then just Magic Treehouse away. Except for, do you remember that they landed in a pterodactyl's nest? So they actually were kind of stuck there. I remember that cover so well. Yeah, same. But very cool, my sis. I love learning about dinosaurs. I love talking about dinosaurs, if you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're a paleontologist. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Maybe in another life, I'm not actually a paleontologist. Yeah. That would be fun, though. But also, you would, like, go all over the place. Except for, okay, we don't have any hot takes for this week because, one, I couldn't think of any. But, two, I was looking up dinosaur trivia because I was like, maybe I'll do dinosaur (laughs) trivia for my hot takes. But that's not even real. But... Because I was just about to say you would have to travel all over the world if you're a paleontologist. But where are – here's my hot take. Not hot take, but here's my little section (laughs) to end it out. Where are the most 
dinosaur fossils found in the world. Is it Utah? Okay, well, I was just going to say- Virginia? North America. I don't know specifically, oh. but just North America. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe you wouldn't have to fall go that far. You wouldn't have to travel that far. Yeah. I think, like, Utah and Colorado are the biggest areas for dig sites for land animals. And then my fun fact about whale fossils is that the most whale fossils are found in Virginia. Or at least whale fossils are the most commonly found fossils in Virginia. Wow. Because, well, during the Jurassic period especially, the world was still in Pangaea. And bring back Pangaea. I want to be able to travel to Europe and not have to fly <laughs> Keep over Pangea an ocean. Hot. <laughs> Keep Pangaea sexy again. <laughs> um, but Virginia was underwater. It was like an mm, ocean. Yeah. And so there was a lot of whale fossils. In that Virginia. makes sense. Yeah. I just looked it up and it said um, the most fossils found in the U.S. are in Montana, Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming. Sick. I knew it off the top of my head. See, you're a paleontologist. We knew it. But yeah, that's actually my hot take is bring back Pangea. Everybody get on board. <laughs> Let's bring it back. I want to bring back Pangea. You know, let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this has so, been an extra long episode again. And if you ah, couldn't tell. We keep doing that. I know, we keep doing it. And we keep feeling like silly little gooses and recording so late at night. And we're tired. Oops. Mubby. But I hope you guys enjoy dinosaurs. Yeah. I think that's enough distractions for this week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Easily Distracted Pod for more content picks and updates. I'll post a shit ton of dinosaur pictures. <laughs> if you've been distracted by anything lately and you'd like us to cover that topic and do a deep dive on it, reach out to us on Instagram to let us know. And new episodes are posted every Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> we're switching to thursdays now because the recording just works out better for our schedules and so until next thursday stay distracted